Okay, combination therapy, probably one of my favorite things. And I'm not a cook, but I sure like mixing medicines. I listed these just to show you that you could combine them along, along the, the row. Um, and I'm gonna go over a few of those things. Um, so remember that when you have uh, things like methotrexate and cyclosporine, you intervene with them. If you come off of them, usually within six or eight weeks, you can get the disease back. Um, so you might have to do some combination therapy. So let's say you intervene with methotrexate, cyclosporine, had some toxicity you pretty much have to start something under that within six or eight weeks to gain to maintain response. Um, Acetretin, they have a much longer um, improvement. It's just not as complete of an improvement, so you have a little bit more time with that. So um, rotational and sequential therapy came out before the um, biologic era, and it was basically to reduce medication toxicity. Uh, it was for people who were doing family planning, so you know they had to get better for their wedding, and then they wanted to go have their kid, um, and, they, uh, and it was done to introduce biologics. So um, the goal was to maintain quality of life and reduce the risk of rebound, relapse, and, and uh, decrease toxicity. And so this is what, in the old days, this is this guy, um, Weinstein. So basically he said, do some light, do something like methotrexate, then do, um, you know, biologics, retinoids, something like this, but you just rotate around and you try to avoid toxicity. Nobody really does this anymore because um, we have safe agents for long-term use in, in the biologic arena, but what you'll see is we have to introduce traditionals because some insurances will tell us we have to, and then um, and if they're a treatment failure or after they've tried it, then they can start their biologic. Sequential therapy was really advocated by Dr. Koo, and um, he loves um, to intervene with a great drug like methotrexate or cyclosporine and then put people on something safe like um, a retinoid or like a biologic for long-term use. Um, remember that retinoids um, have a great role in, in uh, cancer prevention, and we've seen that in the transplant arena, and we've seen it in, um, in psoriasis as well. Okay, so sequential therapy. This is methotrexate cyclosporine, and then you start your thing for um, safe for long-term use, and you taper off the other medicine. Okay, that's combination therapy. Okay, you can tell I made that slide. Okay, so methotrexate combination therapy. Beware of methotrexate and PUVA because you can have increased skin cancers. Um, methotrexate with retinoids clear the pustules faster, uh, but remember that caveat of some people believe there's increased uh, hepatotoxicity with that. Rarely ever will you use methotrexate and cyclosporine. There are a lot of articles about it. It has a lot of safety concerns, um, and you never combine methotrexate and hydrea because they both can and, um, ding your bone marrow at the same time. So you want to be careful about that. Methotrexate and retinoid uh, courses are actually listed here. Um, and remember, the reason people were doing this is because they wanted to get them clear faster and then put them on something safer for long-term use. Okay. Erythrodermic psoriasis, this was um, something that I've actually tried also, and it's acetretin with methotrexate for that. And again, this is kind of um, old stuff, and I'm not sure you're ever going to do it because there's other better things out there. Um, so this is the retinoid safety um, issues in combination with methotrexate. Both drugs are bound by albumin, but there's actually no displacement. And then the other thing, they're both hepatotoxic. So if you read acetretin's package insert, methotrexate, they're both hepatotoxic. But um, there's really hasn't been a lot of reports of that in the literature. 
So again, hyperkeratotic plaque psoriasis, you want to put a retinoid on that. So I love retinoids for that. And you can combine retinoids with pretty much anything. It's my favorite combination agent. Not cheap, by the way. That's the only problem with it. So um, if you use um, ultraviolet therapy, remember, um, I would use it with retinoids. So you will get where you want to go faster if you do retinoids for a couple weeks and then put them on in your light box. And also it decreases cutaneous malignancies, as listed here. And those are those things. Okay, palmoplantar plantar psoriasis. Dr. Mentor used to use a lot of acetretin in hydrea. And again, there's other things. I, I, I don't have anybody on this now because there's other agents, but um, that was an interesting combination when we didn't have a lot to do. Cyclosporin combinations are listed here. And remember that cyclosporin in UV is not recommended because the increased cutaneous malignancies. Um, and you have, an you have to increase the UV to clear, and you get shorter remission. So there's not really a good reason to do that. So where I run into this a lot is my bone marrow transplant patients. Um, and I'm doing their um, light for graft versus host. And I want them off the cyclosporin, because they'll actually get a much better response from their light if we can get them off the cyclosporin. So I've kind of um, seen that come over. Okay, so these are your special populations, women. So a woman comes in your clinic, um, you know, you don't know um, where she is as far as wanting to get pregnant. Um, it's okay if she does cyclosporine, it's pregnancy category C. Phototherapy is also a really great option for a woman who's of childbearing potential wanting uh, to get pregnant. HIV, hydrea and retinoids, hepatitis C, hydrea. Remember, there is so much data using the TNF antagonist with um, hepatitis C. You would have to really consider that as your frontline therapy. Your hepatitis C psoriasis patient should go on TNF antagonist. Pustular erythromic, retinoid, cyclosporin, palmoplantar, retinoids, hydrea, 6-iaguanine. And again, this is just with traditional agents. There's, a lot, there's some data using retinoids in HIV patients, and that's good. So the only thing I'll tell you about retinoids um, is that you do have an increased staph colonization, by the way. So um, if you have somebody who gets sores in their nose and they're on acetretin and they get a psoriasis flare, it's because they have MRSA usually in their nose. So you want to culture that and treat that, and that might actually control their flare. Um, Hydrea has been also used in, in HIV patients, and there's more and more data using biologics in HIV patients patients as well. Okay, that was Disneyland Memorial Day, and I'm going to Disney World today with, um, okay, so that is Marilyn Magic and Juliet Wonder, and I think they're asleep right now because they didn't sleep, you know, until about 5 a.m., so when I left, they went to sleep. So um, the NPF is a great organization, and I think that if you have an opportunity to join it, it would be great because they're, um, it's a great source for your patients and, and information for you too. So I would love questions. I tried to blow through this so we'd have questions. And, um, and, and right up here, um, we have two Starbucks gift cards for, for question people. If you ask a question, I'll give you a... You don't even know if there's a million dollars on each card. I mean, <laughs> seriously, get up and ask a question. <laughs> so are there any questions? Oh, 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 uh. power to the girls, as usual. I had asked this question yesterday, which you were, you were not here, but um, <clears throat> I have a patient with chronic hepatitis B. Yes. And would you do the same, treat them the same as hep C? Okay, so hepatitis B is much more difficult than hepatitis C. Yeah. And I have, um, I surround my people, um, myself with um, 
different specialists, and they've told me this to be true. So I have a collection of hepatitis B, chronic active hepatitis B, and they are all on biologics. Um, and, and I'm not saying, I, so you could, you could do acetretin, it's just I haven't found it useful. All of my hepatitis B people are on biologics, and they're being followed by hepatologists or infectious disease. And, and really, there is, so I guess I can talk off-label, right? I can do whatever yeah, I want. Yeah. Right, this is great. <laughs> Last time, I got, ugh. Okay, so, um, you know, um, you're going to be more worried about your TNF antagonist with your hepatitis B. All my hepatitis B patients are on Stelera. Okay. Isn't that interesting? And they're yeah. following with viral loads. And I don't know why infectious disease was so excited about that combination. But this, my friend, is your Starbucks gift card. Because that was a great question. That's what I need. Um, can you also tell me, though, with that, uh, with those patients with Hep B, do you have them actually clear if they have active as well as, you know, with the core? They have, they have actually chronic active hepatitis yeah. B. So they do have, they treat them at all? Before, me? Do they treat them with anything? Before? Oh, yeah, they do. Oh, yeah, yeah they're on combination antivirals. Okay, during the whole thing. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you. No, seriously, here's your Starbucks gift card. <laughs> Oh yeah, you're number two, and you are out of luck, because I just did too. <laughs> All right, yes. Um, which topical retinoids do you use? How do you dose them, and do you combine them with other topicals? Okay, topical retinoids? I only use tazeratine. So, and, and I usually am a real freak, and I only use tazeratine gel, because I think it works stronger. Um, and I like it, because then I smear a uh, ointment, cortisone ointment, right over it at the same time. Yes, that's what I do. And Daily. as far as com combining it with any, any systemic, you can do whatever you want. So there's not, you don't have to worry about drug interactions or anything like that. Do you use the tazeratine daily? Yes, yes, so yes, yes, Starbucks gift card. Come on, come on, yeah, yeah, yeah. So unlike my predecessors, I have no disclosures to make in regards to Starbucks gifts car gift cards. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Sorry, man. I'll bring three next time. If I had just known you were going to be here. I uh, came in late and I didn't catch about the methotrexate um, testing dose. Yes. And um, would you go over that, please? Again? Okay, sorry. So, methotrexate, um, some people believe in a test dose, some people don't. Um, I like the test dose idea. Um, so, if you see, so let's say your baseline CBC and you give five milligrams after that and you check it 10 days after that. Um, your post-dose and pre-dose CBCs should be almost identical. And if you see a precipitous drop, you're not going to do it because they're probably not going to tolerate the drug. And how long between those uh, CBCs? Ten days. Ten so, days. So you get your baseline, you give them their five milligrams. Okay, so you get the baseline back. And then you <clears> give <throat> them their five milligrams and seven to ten days from that five milligrams test dose, you check their CBC. Okay. And then I have a young lady who has hepatitis C and significant plaque psoriasis. Um, and I was told that um, using acetretin was an absolute contraindication. Okay. Um, even though she's not sexually active, but uh, it was just absolutely not. How old is she? Oh, she's about 30 and she's awaiting a transplant. Okay. So, and I would actually agree with them. I would not use it in a, in a younger person like that. So, so, so the question, so the, so the issue is, 
I have used retinoids in hepatitis C patients. I think the problem is your age and regardless of the whole transplant thing, um, I don't think that we should be using retinoids in that younger population because people change their mind about having children and I think it's just that it's that liability that you never know. I mean, I, I get worried because you're going to be following them, you know, for seven years after their acetretin dose, you know, three or seven if they have any alcohol. And you know what, I think everybody has a little bit of alcohol from time to time. So I think that's why they're saying that. Um, you know, I've got people that don't want kids. I mean, like not gonna have sex with a man type people and I still won't do it. Um, and, 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 I, and I'm appreciating that they don't want that, but I'm just not sure. And, I, and it sounds horrible, but you know what I say? I go, if you got raped, Okay, which happens? Are, are you going to go terminate your, you know, your pregnancy? I mean, because really, this is this is the kind of answer I need. I mean, or why don't you just go get a hysterectomy and then we can go do this? So, yes. The other side of the room. Uh, I have a patient that has really refractory Palmer plantar pustular psoriasis, and I mean, I've methotrexate, high doses of um, psoriatine. I mean, I. I biologics, but you mentioned some other things that I yeah. haven't tried. Okay, so so my really bad, okay, so first of all, did you do, okay, so let's just go over what you okay, did. Let's over, okay. Oh, yeah, let's go over, okay. Okay, so, let's go over it. Okay, so did you do infliximab? I've done um, Embrel, Humira, okay. and Stelara. Okay, fine, and then what happened with Enbrel? Um, not a whole lot. Okay, and what happened with um, Humira? Now Humira, she got a little improvement at okay. the beginning. Okay. And then it just kind of fizzed okay. out. And how much does she weigh? She probably weighs about 170. Okay, so she's normal. Does she smoke? Yes. She's never going to get cleared. I'll tell her that. Put her on Chantix. That's okay. what I do. Mm -hmm. Okay. Sorry. So, okay, and outside she's a, I think she's a pretty heavy smoker. Okay, I mean, yeah. She, so I have never cleared palmoplantar plantar okay. psoriasis if somebody smokes. Okay. So, and that's that lifestyle thing. And, that's and awesome. So I, I think that... Um, that it is harder to get people to stop smoking. So my husband is an addiction specialist, okay? He used to be a LASIK surgeon, which was a little bit better. Anyway, now he's an addiction specialist. Oh he won't even write Chantix. I mean, like, when, when the people come by, like, I'm the one writing Chantix. And it's not, it's not a drug without risk. I mean, if you check yeah. out that package insert, it's kind of creepy. Yeah. But I think that you should tell this person, you know what, you are going to, I can put you on 6-thioguanine and maybe risk your life with, you know, yeah. my veno-occlusive disorder, right. or you're going to actually stop smoking. And yeah. that is probably a huge player in this. Well, I mean, she's risking her life anyway, smoking that much, but... Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, so let's say she doesn't do that. Well, then, I mean, then you can put her on 6-thioguanine. So, okay, if you are um, risk adverse, and it sounds like you're not, but um, so... Well, I am, but okay, she's so, you so could desperate. Do, so, well, so, you know, so um, acetretin and hydrea, so Mentor used that, but I'll tell you, it was more, he was more using that for um, the psoriasiform um, uh, palmoplantar yeah. psoriasis and not the pustular. Yeah. The pustular with smoking is a big deal. Okay. I mean, that's just, so it's a huge thing. Well, so, I just need to tell her. Yeah, and so, and Because, then, you know, her thing is, I'll do anything. Yeah, right. But stop except smoking. stop smoking, yeah. I think. So, and then, uh, and then let's say you have to do something else. Um, the six-thioguanine, um, yeah, six it comes in 40 milligrams, and you do 40 milligrams like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and you check her, and you have her come into your office every month, and you start adding one day a month up to five days, and I bet you that would actually clear her. Okay. Um, and there are other articles um, where they use six-thioguanine 
two days at really high doses. And, and I like the 40 milligrams mm -hmm. and tack things on. Mm -hmm. So, and I, I just, I think the whole smoking thing is a no-go yeah. with that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. Thank you very much. Thank you. Oh, yes. Okay. I apologize if you already said this, because I'm only sort of half awake, but um, have you ever combined soriatane with a biologic? I had a patient I was considering doing this with, but I couldn't find hardly any support in the literature for, for doing that. Oh, I love that. So I just wanted to that. know what you thought about that. Love that idea. So um, soriatane um, with biologics is great. Okay, so remember, combination therapy with biologics, the vast majority of data is using it, that combinations for arthritis, okay? So a lot of people believe if you do a little bit of methotrexate with the TNF antagonist, you get a better response, maybe longer response. Um, so outside of that, let's say we're not dealing with arthritis and we're dealing with skin. I love combining soriatane um, with biologics, and so you can combine it with everything. Um, there will be no data on it because um, it's expensive. You know, soriatane, 25 milligrams, 30 pills is $750. All my patients go to Canada, you know, and I mean, and we usually do it Monday, Wednesday, Friday because nobody can afford it. You know, it's just, you know, you, you think the biologics are expensive, then try soriatane with its minimal response, but it really has a place. For hyperkeratotic plaque psoriasis, patients that aren't quite clear. But you know, remember, um, before you start combining things, you might look and see, are you on the right drug to begin with? Because a lot of the biologics as monotherapy will work. I mean, they'll do, they'll do good. Um, so anyway, but no, I, I think you're totally within your realm of goodness if you, if you combine it with soriatine. <laughs> oh, yes. Is soriatine really your only option in um, transplant and history of cancer patients? Okay, so the question is, is soriatine your only option in transplant and history of cancer patients? No. Um, so the, okay, so the transplanters, my best, my best friend's a transplanter, not excited about a lot of things. Um, if they have had a transplant, um, they will usually let them do a TNF antagonist. And the reason is they have some GVH prevention, well not prevention, but GVH data with the TNF antagonists. Um, there will be no big trials, but you know, certainly infliximab had a uh, trial at MD Anderson when I was there, and we were using it for graft versus host. Um, okay, so what else do I know with transplants? Um, uh, they, they, they love uh, light because you don't put anything in their body, but then you worry about all their skin cancers. It drives me crazy. Um, what else have I used? So let's go to systemic malignancies. Let's get away from the transplants. Um, from a systemic malignancy standpoint, I've had people that have had systemic malignancies that I've actually put them on biologics. And I've talked with their oncologist, and there was a really good reason for this. It was a quality of life issue. And I just look at methotrexate and cyclosporin, and then I look at the person who's the 40-year-old that just, you know, was the breast cancer survivor. There's a lot of life to live, and a lot of her life isn't going to be good without a good medicine. And I really have no data that tells me that biologics are worse than methotrexate or cyclosporin. So, um, so I, I think it's going to be a case-by-case -case thing. You will have no backing from any company because they are not interested. I tried to get a, um, a trial using one of the biologics for graft-versus-host, and I mean, um, they have no interest because, you know, the secondary lymphomas that happen because of the transplant and everything, they don't want that on their package insert. Right. So did that answer your question? Yes. I, I, I think it's hard. I mean, I think you're going to have to ask the oncologist, and I mean, it's hard because that's going to take you a lot of time, but it's really worth it, I promise. Okay. And I would ask the, the medical scientists 
um, for, for any information they have, because some of the companies might have some scattered case series, you know. Okay. So. Thank you. Thank you. I have an under under 40-year-old, um, really tiny lady who's got some psych issues about her psoriasis that really bothers her. I mean, her, her plaque psoriasis on her legs is not that horrible, but any little blemish there sets her off and misses work, can't deal with the whole thing. And her idea of treating herself is she wants a steroid shot every month because that works. So I have her on Stellar. She cannot give herself shots. They've tried. She doesn't deal with methotrexate. She has, couldn't tolerate acetretin. So what are other options do I have? She's not clearing as well on that. Can I up her dose, or is she's like under 100 pounds? Okay, so the person, the 100, under 100 pound, young person, on Stellara, how many shots? She's, she's had five. Okay, so I basically you've seen what you're going to get with that. I would, okay, so there's a problem. So usually the people who are on the 45 milligrams, if you decrease their interval, it's not really going to be phenomenal compared to the people on the 90 and you decrease the interval, but that's what I would do first. I would actually do that. We've um, already checked. I haven't given her that yet, but I've already talked to her about yeah. we're going to go nine weeks so, instead you know, of 12. The other thing is, I mean, it sounds really crazy, but what if you did a, a monthly methotrexate shot? Hmm? A monthly shot? Talk to her about it. I didn't think about that. Sorry? I, I never thought about just giving it once a month mm -hmm. with that. Yeah, you can try. I mean, that's, you know, that's, I mean, that's what we do for some of the older patients, you know, so, and it what, might not work at all, but I mean, that, that would be an option. And what does, can, well, she, she does, interestingly, if she, she got a steroid shot because she couldn't deal with the mental issues of having anything there, mm -hmm. and then got on the Stellara within a month of, of the steroid shot, and she stayed clear for a long time, but she flares about four weeks before her shot is due, and then the flare doesn't go away, yeah. unless she gets a little bit of steroid to kick yeah, it out. I mean, I think you should decrease the interval. I mean, just to see, and I would decrease the interval, and I would give it three shots. I mean, I know that's a long time, but give it three shots and see what happens. And then, and then, if and if you were like, oh, we just need a little bit, you know that 15 milligrams of methotrexate once a month's okay because you know you can do 15 milligrams once a week, you know. And I bet you if you did 15 milligrams and just kind of see what happens with that, oh, that's off-label, but it doesn't matter because I'm not being paid by Senecor today. So, and we've done methotrexate with Stellara. So. Can you, would you give the shot at the same time that no you problem. give it with Stellara? No problem. Mm -hmm. Sounds good. We're all right with that. Thank you. Centacore mm -hmm. yeah. um, right now is flipping over in their chairs, by the way, me saying to do that. Sorry. Um, um, okay. I am methotrexate and sub-Q. Can you talk about... Um, are they both equal in response? I hadn't heard of sub-Q methotrexate before. Is it dosed the same? Is, uh, is there anything different about Okay, usage? that's a really good question. Um, see, I went through the slides really quickly because I, I, I wanted to make sure we had good questions. Okay, um, all right. So the dosing with the sub-Q and PO and IM is exactly the same, okay? So if they're on... Uh, if they're on 15 milligrams, you give 0.6 of the, of the um, uh, solution, and you give it sub-Q. And that would be once a week. And remember, you do the one ML syringes so they can measure at 0.6. I do not think it's a bad idea to have them come in and show you how they're measuring it. I do not think you should give the 10, 10 cc vials. I think you should give the 2 cc vials so you know that people won't get into trouble with it. And... Um, I think it's advantages. There's some people that really do not tolerate the oral preparations, and, um, and they do fine with the shots. Now, the other interesting thing that I didn't talk about at all is you can give the oral solution 
it by mouth, and, and people put it in orange juice and drink it. So that's the other way you can go. And I've never really understood the advantage of that, aside from the fact that it's like supposed to be wicked cheap, but then I keep running into problems getting my vials. So I, I think that there's a lot of um, uh, problems with drug availability right now in this country. It's kind of you know, interesting. Uh, but it, but that's, that's why people were doing it. Did that answer your question? Okay. On, actually, on that, that note, um, is the, the bioavailability of the sub-Q versus the oral, is it the same? It's the or same. Or is it clear faster? Okay. Actually, okay, so I don't know, um, but I'll tell you, you dose them the same. Okay. So, so I, am, I am supposing that, yeah. that that is correct because it's the exact same dosing. So if you're on 15, instead of taking six pills, you take 0.6. Right. Because I just thought you did the sub-Q in case if you had nausea with the or any of the you know, immunosuppressive side effects, which yeah. unfortunately, you know, hopefully you wouldn't. But anyway, sorry, my question was about the Stellara. Yeah. So I don't use very much of that. And I was wondering, why would that be an advantage over you know, one that is a shorter acting inhibitor? You know, it's a, it's a longer, isn't it a longer period before dosing the next dose? I gotcha. And why would that be advantageous with someone with Hep B because then you're suppressing them even longer? Okay. so. Um, all right, the, you're talking about half-lives, yeah. and, I, and I think that's important, and the, this Stelara has a much longer half-life mm -hmm. than, let's say, a Tannercept. From a safety standpoint, I don't see a difference, okay? So, and, and this is me talking. So, I'm worried about the same things with a Tannercept, Adalivimab, Infliximab, and Stelara, all the same. I'm worried about infections and cancers, and to date, the signals look fine, okay? So, um, from an infection standpoint, let's say you got into a big infection, okay, and you're on, you know, Stelara, and what if they could have been on a Tannercept? They haven't seen a difference as far as the duration that that infection lasts, the um, severity of that infection. They didn't see a big difference between the 45 and 90, I mean, not statistically significant. Um, and they didn't see, you know, people get it right after the Stelara and not, like, right before their next dose. So, so for me, I understand what you're saying, but I'm not sure it's clinically relevant, actually, for, for, our, for our population. And I, and I might be wrong, but that's just kind of... So I'm not really worried about that. The reason I told her to shorten the interval is that I want to exhaust a drug before I remove it, and so I'm going to do whatever it takes. And so, so I would shorten the interval because that's going to be, in my mind, the safest thing. Because I like, you know, monotherapy. You know, if, if, I actually like combination therapy, but I mean, we're going to go with monotherapy. And then if the monotherapy doesn't work, I'm going to add some methotrexate because, you know, I know the safety and tolerability of that. Um, there, you know, there is not a lot of combination data with Stelara at all, you know, but um, I'm comfortable with both the drugs and we combine things all the time in dermatology. So, um, and she's gonna be closely followed. She's gonna come in every month and she's gonna get labs every month, right? <laughs> so, well, thank so, you. Um, so, so I think that was the reason I do that. And that actually goes with every single thing. Now, I'll tell you something, I do not exhaust uh, traditional things because I've got, I've got other things to go to, you know. So, um, so I will go up on my methotrexate to a certain point, but in the end, I have no intention on leaving anybody on methotrexate, anybody on um, cyclosporin. And my, my soriatane idea, it's like a placeholder. It's actually to get a little bit more efficacy. Maybe you can dose down a little bit on another drug. It is not my workhorse drug, okay? So it's just my, my add-on. It's my sprinkles on top of my cupcake. Okay. Sorry. Okay, what other questions do we have? Okay, 
And I am happy to talk with you at any time. And you can email me at any time. And, um, and I, I just wanted to go through really quick, because I think the most beneficial thing is actually the questions. Because um, you can read in a book about all these things. And uh, you can read in the notes. Uh, so anyway, I think I'm done. Am I done? Am I done? Yeah, five minutes, right on. Go get coffee.